My name is John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. My prayer is that the sermon that we're going to be playing today will be a blessing to you, that it will be an encouragement to you. Wherever you may be and whatever you might be going through at this time in your life, I just pray that these next 25 minutes or so will be an uplifting time for you and that you will be able to hear from God the exact message that He has for you to hear. The sermon that we're going to be playing today is a sermon that I preached recently at our church, and I just hope that it will encourage you today. Thanks for listening. What a great song. Thank you, guys. Let me ask, how many of you like to work puzzles? Or any puzzle workers out there? Not a whole lot in this service. I've taken it up as my new hobby. Back during December, I went to Barnes & Noble, and I bought a puzzle. I said, this will be something I can take home during a little slower pace at church, maybe, and at night, watch the ball games, work on my puzzle. So I bought a puzzle that has a map of the United States on it, and I was so proud of it. I got it finished. And a few nights after I got it finished, in fact, it was on New Year's Eve, I went to my neighbor's house to just visit them for a little bit, and we were talking, and I was bragging to this guy, to the husband, I said, hey, I've, I've finished this puzzle, and I said, it's unbelievable, it's a map of the whole United States. He said, that's good, John. He said, how many pieces are in that puzzle? I said, it's a 100-piece puzzle. <laughs> and that was his reaction right there, what you just did. And he said, 100-piece, man, that's what kindergarten kids are doing, 100-piece puzzles. I, he, and so he walked to his back room. Let me go ahead and show you my puzzle that I finished. You'll be so proud of it right there. Map the United States. I mean, that was awesome. I love it. I love that puzzle. And so he said, let me go to get you something. He went to the back room. He comes out with a 1,000-piece puzzle of the 1950s. Everything that was culturally relevant in the pop culture, 1950s. He said, take this home and, and work it. So I went home New Year's Eve night. I got working. It's the first time ever I've not watched the ball drop in New York because I got obsessed with this puzzle. And by about midnight, here's what my puzzle looked like. There it is. <laughs> you can see I've kind of got the edges a little bit, but the middle is a mess. And so a few days later, when I finally finished, I want you to see what it looked like. Back in the box, I gave up. <laughs> I quit. The puzzle beat me. I couldn't do it. My table's, I'm going to blame it on my table and say my table's not big enough to spread the pieces out. But I got thinking about what he said. You know, he's saying you should, you, you should be able to work more than a 100-piece puzzle. And I thought, he's really right. I have to step it up. So I decided what I would do to justify working a 100-piece puzzle is to memorize where all the states are on the, on the map. I mean, you may know, I've never really been able to point out Vermont, and New Hampshire, and Minnesota, and, and Wyoming. Where are these places? Idaho? Who knows? I mean, how do you know where these places are? And so I thought, what I've got to do is memorize where the states are. And I thought, there's got to be a trick to this. I mean, there's a trick to everything when it comes to learning. There's got to be a way to learn the states without just really learning them. You know what I mean? Like you do tricks. So I got my phone out, and I Googled, how can you memorize the 50 states, where they are? And a, a little video popped up by a lady named Miss Alexander. She is undoubtedly a school teacher. 
And she, the video comes on. There's just a map of the country. All the boundaries and borders are drawn, but there's no words in there. And Miss Alexander said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you, largely th- through the use of acrostics, how you can learn where all the states are. And she said, we're going to start with California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, because these four states form the border between the United States and Mexico. And she said, here's how to remember it. You can't cross the border without proper documentation. C-A-N-T, California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. And so it was that method of learning. Right above it, she said, the next one is NUCK, N-U-C-K, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Kansas. And I thought, now she's speaking a language I can understand. Like in the northwest, up at the top left, she said, see these two states here at the very top? She said, whoa, W-O, don't go into the ocean. Washington and Oregon. And so all the way, right in the middle of the country, she said, here's how you'll do. She said, remember this word, memo, M-I-M-A-L, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, all the way. Now, I will say, all due respect to Miss Alexander, in the northeastern part of the country, I thought she was kind of weak on her acrostics. And so I had to make up my own, like for Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and so on. But I got thinking, First time in my life, I mean, maybe I learned that in school, stuck it in my short-term memory, passed the test, but I didn't really know where all these places were, and now I know. And then I started thinking, the only reason I know is because Miss Alexander, whoever she is, taught me where the states are. And then I got to thinking, yes, but that's true in every area of life. Everything we know virtually everything we know, we learned from somebody else. Somebody else taught us how to walk. Somebody else taught us how to tie our shoes. Somebody else taught us how to spell. Somebody else taught us how to read. Somebody else taught us how to add. Somebody else taught us our multiplication tables. How do you know that nine times eight is 72? You know it because somebody taught you. Nine times eight is 72, right? That, I did get that one right. It's 72. So everything, we, somebody taught us how to drive. Men, somebody taught us how to shave. Somebody taught us how to cook. Somebody ta- every, and then I got thinking, yes, but that's not only true in the natural, it's true in the spiritual. Everything we know about God, we learn from somebody else. Now, sometimes we learn it from God himself. But normally, God uses other people. How did you know how to get saved? Did you just wake up one day with a plan of salvation in your mind? No. Somebody told you how to get saved. How did you know to tithe? Somebody taught you you're supposed to tithe. How did you know how to pray? Somebody taught you. How did you know you're supposed to go to church every Sunday? Somebody told you that. Everything we know about God, we learned from somebody else. Now, what I want to do in the message today, I want us to look at the life of a man named Simeon. He's not what you would call a major character in the Bible. He doesn't have a book by his name, but in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter number two, if you'll open your Bibles there now, please, we read 11 verses about this man named Simeon. And one day when we get to heaven, Simeon may ask you, hey, how did you like those 11 verses that Dr. Luke devoted to me? How did you like my story? I know it's not a big story like Abraham or Moses or David, but I got 11 verses in the Bible. That's not bad. How did you like my story? I don't want you to look at him and say, well, you know, they never taught us about you at our church. I want you to know about this man named Simeon, and then I want us to learn some lessons from his life. So let's just begin in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25, I think the smart thing here would just be to read these 11 verses, okay? So just follow along while I read it out loud. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit and into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother, that is the mother of Jesus, marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so at the end here, Simeon gives a prophecy to Mary and Joseph, and he says to Mary, people's hearts will be revealed. What a person truly is can be determined by how he or she responds to Jesus Christ. Many will respond positively. Many will respond with faith. Many will accept and receive Christ into their heart and into their life. And that will reveal that these are the children of God. Others, though, will respond antagonistically. Others will hate Jesus. Others will eventually kill Jesus, and their hearts will be revealed. It's true even today. You can tell what's in somebody's heart by how they respond to Jesus Christ. And then Simeon went on and said, Mary, there's going to come a day when your own soul will be pierced with sorrow. What he was referring to was the crucifixion of Jesus. And we know from John chapter 19 that Mary was watching that crucifixion, and she saw her son being crucified. And in that moment, it was as though a sword had pierced her own soul. And so Simeon, although he only gets 11 verses, to me is a very important person in the narrative of the New Testament. So as we think about what we can learn from this man, I want to mention three things today. And if you take notes, you might want to just jot these down on your outline there. The first lesson that just pops off the pages of Scripture to me as I think about Simeon is that God honors those who are serious about spiritual things. In other words, when somebody is serious about spiritual things, God honors that person, and Simeon truly was. Look back in verse number 25. The Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Now watch this. And this man was just. That is, he tried to live his life the right way. He was a righteous person. He did those things that pleased God. And he was devout. He was sincere. He was conscientious. His religion, his faith meant something to him. He wasn't just going through the motions, waiting for the consolation of Israel. So back in Bible times, a devout Jew would be waiting for the Messiah to come. Just like today, we as Christians are waiting for Jesus to come back. They were waiting on the Messiah to come for the first time. And then it says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Bible couldn't say anything more kind than that. The Spirit of God was on this man Simeon's life. And so since he honored God, God honored him. We see this principle all the way through Scripture, that God honors those who honor him. 
in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. God is speaking, and God said, Those who honor me, I will honor. Say that with me. Those who honor me, I will honor. It's a principle all through Scripture. You say, John, now if I'm serious about spiritual things, and I try to be just and try my best, none of us are perfect, but if I try to live a righteous life, and if I'm devout and sincere, and the Spirit of God is upon me, how will God honor me? Well, in lots of ways, but let's just look at several here from Simeon's life. First of all, God honors a person like that by speaking to them. By speaking to them. Look in verse 26 again. We see God speaking to Simeon. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. But what I want you to see here is God had spoken to him. The Holy Spirit had delivered a message to Simeon. And God had said, you're not going to die until the Messiah is born. That says to me that God speaks to those who are serious about spiritual things. Write this verse down. In Psalm 25, in verse 14, I love this verse. It says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. Just like you have secrets in your life that you're very careful who you tell those to. Well, God has secrets as well. And the Bible says that God reveals His secrets. God shares His secrets with those who fear Him. Him. And so if you're serious about God, God should be impressing things on your heart, putting thoughts in your mind. Yesterday when I was finishing this sermon, I read a quote by a, new, by a Bible theologian named William McDonald, and listen to what he says. He said, there is a mysterious communication of divine knowledge to those who walk in quiet, contemplative fellowship with God. I want to read that again. That that quote grabbed me yesterday when I read that. There's a mysterious communication of divine knowledge to those who walk in quiet, contemplative fellowship with God. And so if you in your life, when you you go to work in in the morning, or you go run errands on the weekend, or you go into a ball game, or you're going to the movies, or you're just living your life, you're going to get your car worked on, you're going to the going to the grocery store, and before you leave your house, you say, God, now today I want to just be aware of your presence with me as I just go out and live my life. And so, God, today, you might even say to God, I'm going to be kind of quiet today. And I just would like for you to speak to me. If there's anything you want to tell me, if there's anything I need to know, if there's anything in my life that's out of, that's not right, I need to be convicted, or maybe you want to warn me about something, or just give me a word about something. And that's what McDonald is talking about when he says quiet, contemplative fellowship with God. And so for a person like that, there's a mysterious communication of divine knowledge. God just speaks to us in our hearts and in our minds. You say, well, John, how's God going to speak to us? Well, lots of different ways. Certainly, He could speak to us like He spoke to Simeon, just by the Holy Spirit who's living in us. God does that often to His children. He just speaks to us from the inside. You know, one of the ways God speaks to me sometimes is through music. And last night I was getting ready for bed and I had my television on in my bedroom and I turned it on, I have Comcast, and I turned it on channel 835, which on my TV is Christian music. And I watched, I have that station on, listen to music sometime, and right before I got in bed last night, one of my favorite songs came on. And when that song came on, I just thought to myself, it is just, it's just like God wanted me to hear that song 
right before I went off to sleep. It's, it's just like something I've been thinking about and praying about in my own life. Here comes God giving that to me in a song. So sometimes God will speak to our hearts through a song. Sometimes God will speak to our heart through His Word. I believe that would be the most frequent way that God speaks to His servant. I had this experience on Friday night. I've been reading this past week through the book of Hebrews, just in my own Bible reading. And I came across these verses last Friday night, just reading. In Hebrews 10, 35, it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And it went on to talk about faith, trust, keep trusting God, don't give up. You continue to persevere in your faith. And God just spoke to me. And then yesterday morning, and he, I was reading in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the fa- uh, evidence of things not seen. You read about the faith of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and David and all these others. And as I was reading that, I thought, God, what was true of them? It should be true of me. I have to just walk by faith. And then I read a verse about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. We're familiar with Moses and all the things he went through. And you wonder sometimes, how did that guy keep on keeping on? And in Hebrews eleven twenty-seven, listen to this. It says, he endured by seeing him who is invisible. In other words, you say, well, how do you see somebody who's invisible? He saw God through his eyes of faith. And so yesterday morning, that just spoke to me, and I said, God, that's what I need. I need to just see you with my eyes of faith and trust you in my life, just like these people trusted you in their life. What I'm saying is, God will speak to your heart if you seek to honor him and if you take time to listen. Another way that God will honor those who are serious about spiritual things is by directing their steps. Have you noticed in your life when you're putting God first and you're, you're, you're having your prayer time and you're seeking to live a life that would be pleasing to God, that God just causes you to be at the right place at the right time. And you just bump into the person or you have this experience, you think, man, God got me here at the right time. Well, look back in verse 27. I want you just to see this again. That's what happened to Simeon. It says, so Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according of the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And so on this particular day, Simeon was just going to the temple to serve God, to worship God. And he just happened to get there at the exact time that Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus in. Now, this thing that we're reading about here, this experience, this event, took place 40 days after Jesus was born. He was dedicated in the temple. And that always happened 40 days after a boy was born. It would have been a little bit longer if a girl had been born. But for a boy, it would have been 40 days after his, uh, after his birth. And so here they come to dedicate him, and here they just bump in to Simeon. So God directs our step. It says in the Old Testament, Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. And so you don't, as you go through life, you don't have to try to make your own break. You don't have to try to make your own way or open your own door. No, what you want to do is just walk with God. And if you'll walk with God, He will order your steps. He will open the doors for you. He will cause you to be at the right place at the right time. You don't have to take the pressure of trying to to do all that for yourself. So God honors us by directing our steps. And then another way that God honors us is by doing more than we ever could have imagined. By doing more. Now, this is very interesting in Simeon's case. Look back in verse 26 again. It says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit 
that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So God said to Simeon, Simeon, you're not going to die until the Messiah is born. You will see him with your eyes before you die. Well, look down in verse 28. It says, Simeon took Jesus up in his arms. So God had made a promise, you won't die till you see him. But now God is giving him even more than he promised. And now Simeon is able to not only see the baby Jesus, but he's able to take him in his arms and hold him in his hands. And so God has a way. See, some of you today, just like me and everybody else in the world, you're waiting on God to help you through something. Or you're waiting, maybe you have a child who's away from God, and you're praying that God would bring that child back. Or maybe you have a spouse that's away from God, and you're praying for God to bring that spouse back. Or maybe you're having an illness, and you're praying for God to heal that. And it doesn't seem like anything is happening in your particular situation. You're waiting, you're waiting. Whatever the situation is, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And it just seems like that nothing is happening and that nothing is changing in your circumstances. Well, I'm telling you, when God does whatever it is God's going to do in your particular case. It's going to be better than you would have ever dreamed. What does it say in Ephesians 3.20 about God? It says, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so just like in Simeon's case, God went over the top. God will go over the top in your case when it is right and when the time is right. Now, You still listen to that? Say amen. I want to make sure you're still with me. That's just the first lesson. Now, let's just think about what we've learned so far. God honors those who are serious about spiritual things by speaking to them, by directing their steps, and by doing more than they could ever imagine. Now, what I've just said so far is making it worth coming to church for this morning. Because you just think, they think, man, God, if I will honor you and put you first in my life, you're going to do these things for me. You're going to speak to me, direct my steps, and you're going to do more than I could ever have imagined. Well, we're going to have to stop right there for today. We've run out of time, but that's not, that's not all bad. It's a good place to stop because it allows us to ask ourselves this question. Am I seeking to honor God with my life? You know, this man, Simeon, that we read about in our scripture today in Luke chapter 2, we don't hear very many sermons about him at all. We really don't because he kind of comes along towards the end of the birth story of Jesus, and he almost kind of gets lost in all the other details of what happened at that time in the, in the life of Jesus Christ. But, but Simeon plays a very important role because here is a man who honored God, and as a result of that, God honored him, and we've just seen some very practical ways that that God honored Simeon. So let me ask you today, are you seeking to live your life in a way that honors the Lord? Are you putting God first? It was said of Simeon that he was a just man, that he was a devout man, and that the Holy Spirit was upon him. How about you? Are you trying to live your life in a just and a righteous way? Are you trying to to line your life up with the Word of God and, and live your life the right way? Again, none of us, no, nobody's perfect, so we're not going to be uh, anywhere near perfect, but it's still, we should try to, to live our life the right way. We should be devout. We should be sincere in our faith. And, and, and it should be able to be said of us, the Holy Spirit is not only in that person's life, but the Holy Spirit is on that person's life. And so today, as you're listening, as you're thinking about how you're living your life, let me just ask you this question. Has there ever been a time when you have personally received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You don't become a Christian by growing up in a Christian home or, or by going to church or by memorizing Bible verses. Those things are all wonderful, but that's not how you get saved. 
you become a Christian by personally asking Jesus Christ to come forgive you of your sins and to come live in your heart. And so if you've never done that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can pray this today. There are no magic words. The words don't matter. God knows your heart. But if through this prayer you can come to trust Jesus, uh, today will become the day of your salvation. Just pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Thank you that you'll never leave me. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray. Amen. And friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want to assure you on the authority of God's Word that He has heard it and that He has answered it. It says in the Bible that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's what you've done today. You've called on the Lord's name, and He has saved you. So today is the day of your salvation. It's your spiritual birthday. You've been born again, and I want to just say congratulations. I would encourage you to find a good church in the area where you live, a church that preaches the Bible and that teaches Jesus is the only way to heaven, and get involved in that church. And then I would encourage you to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. That's peacebybelieving.org. We have some short podcasts that you can listen to of archived sermons. They're about 25 minutes each. We have some booklets that you can read on a wide variety of subjects. And then I wish you would contact us and let us know where you're listening from and how we can pray for you. God bless and have a great, great day.